welcome to Sellersburg United Methodist Church podcast, where we bring our mission to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world to you, wherever you are. We're back in Corinth today. Um, we're going to continue today where we left off last week. We finished chapter 12, and so we're going right into chapter 13, perhaps one you're familiar with. If you weren't here last week or you weren't with us, then know that Corinth is a port city. It is where anything and everything can happen, and often did. You could find whatever you need there, and lots of people from around the empire would come there, and even beyond the empire. Um, there was a church there, a group of people, a gathering, an ecclesia, which is where our word church comes from. It just refers to a gathered group. They were from that world of Corinth, but they had come to know a new reality. They had been a part of the old patterns of their lives, and now they're trying to align themselves with the new patterns that they have seen and had revealed to them through the Spirit, the pattern of Jesus Christ, and that Paul has revealed. Paul was really quite remarkable. If you've read Paul's letters, you know that oftentimes he will write to them and then tell them to mimic him. Then they would. They would mimic him. Imagine how many people in your lives that might say to you, just do as I do, because I've got it figured out. How many people you'd kind of raise an eyebrow and say, okay, you're a little full of yourself, right? Well, you might say that about Paul, except they did. They did mimic Paul. They must have, because they've passed his letters on. If they didn't think he was really carrying anything of substance, we would never even know who Paul was. But he must have been sincere. Uh, he not only taught this truth, he lived it enough to say, follow my lead. Remember, they didn't have the New Testament. They didn't have scripture that talked about Jesus in the very clear way we do. So Paul was their best example. What? a remarkable human being. Now, in last week's passage, Paul was addressing the division in that church caused by those who were abusing glossolalia, speaking in tongues. And so if you remember, people would stand up and worship and start speaking in ways that were hard to discern. They weren't of uh, earthly language. And then someone else would speak up and speak over top of them. And then someone else to be outdone would speak over top of them. And pretty soon, it sounded like a mess or like a kindergarten classroom right after snack time. I've subbed kindergarten one day, only one day. They were beautiful and amazing, but I learned I am not made for that. Paul saying the worship space was not made for this kind of confusion, and it was causing division. People were thinking they were better than others. We've seen this. We may have lived it. We know somebody who maybe is what we use the term holier than thou. And if you're having trouble thinking of someone, it might be you. I'm kidding. Not really. <laughs> there was confusion and disruption in a time that should have been bringing everyone to a center, to clarity about who they are and what life's about. And so Paul spent time affirming all the gifts, not just glossolalia, but teachers and prophets and telling them that all of them belong. None of them are more dignified or honorable than the next. They all belong, and they're all to serve the good. Now, you all have done a really good job at this in this congregation at serving one another with your gifts. And some of you have some gifts that the rest of you don't know about because you do it quietly, but you are seen. And if you aren't seen by any of us, you are seen by God. 
All gifts belong. And so then he goes on, talks about, let me show you the more excellent way when it comes to being the body. And it goes right into this chapter. Sometimes we see this chapter removed from its context and just given other ways. You might have heard chapter 13 a time or two. If you've been to a wedding, chances are strong you have heard chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians. But let's prepare ourselves before we read it, because you may already be reciting it in your head. How many of you have already recited part of chapter 13 in your head? Love is patient, love is kind, yeah. We become so familiar with something, we actually can become unfamiliar with it. When you take it out of its context, it can kind of lose its meaning. So while we do use it at weddings, and while that's a wonderful way to communicate what Paul is getting at, I think Paul would kind of be taken aback if that's the only place we'd ever heard it. Because there are, there's division. We experience this, yes? Paul is speaking to a fractured group of people, and he's calling the church into a new direction from where they are headed currently in all of their vying for power. Paul's going to say a few things about love. Love to Paul is not what we often think about when we hear the word love. The word in Greek, if you know it, say it. Agape. If you didn't know it, go ahead and say it. Agape. Love in the New Testament, as it's defined. I looked it up. There's what's written in Greek, and here's the definition. Love, it's in the New Testament, usually the active love of God for his son and God's people. Or it's the active love of God's people that they're to have for God, each other, and even enemies. That's the definition. How often do we use it that way? Active love. Notice that. An active love. Not a well-wishing, not an affectionate, but active. This is a love that comes from one for another. This is a love that is self-giving, expecting nothing in return. Otherwise, it's not self-giving. This is an act that focuses on the well-being of another, period. And it's an act. We will hear a more detailed description of agape in this passage. We will hear Paul lift agape up above everything else as the greatest. Let's not miss that point. Are you ready to hear once again or maybe Love, that would be great if you're hearing it for the first time, 1 Corinthians. Um, we'll hear this beautiful section of this wonderful letter. If I speak in tongues of human beings and of angels, but I don't have love, I'm a clanging gong or a clashing cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and I know all the mysteries and everything else, and if I have such complete faith that I can move mountains, but I don't have love, I am nothing. If I give away everything that I have and hand over my own body to feel good about what I've done, but I don't have love, I receive no benefit whatsoever. Love is patient. Love is kind. It isn't jealous. It doesn't brag. It isn't arrogant. It isn't rude. It doesn't seek its own advantage. It isn't irritable. It doesn't keep a record of complaints. It isn't happy with injustice, but it is happy with the truth. Love puts up with all things, trusts in all things, hopes for all things, endures all things. Love never fails. As for prophecies, they will be brought to an end. As for tongues, 
they will stop. As for knowledge, it will be brought to an end. We know in part and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, what is partial will be brought to an end. When I was a child, I used to speak like a child, reason like a child, think like a child. But now that I have become a man, I've put an end to childish things. Now we see a reflection in a mirror, then we will see face to face. Now I know partially, but then I will know completely in the same way that I have been completely known. Now faith, hope, and love remain, these three things, and the greatest of these is love. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Paul's brilliant here does what he does. He's speaking in first person. If I speak in tongues, but I don't have love, but really what he's doing is talking to the people who are speaking in tongues without love. To those who are using this gift of glossolalia, this great gift, but to bolster themselves, he says, you're just noise without love. A clanging cymbal, not my favorite sound. Please don't ever buy my children cymbals. To those who have great knowledge and ability to see what others do not, in a prophetic eye. He says to them, if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries, and I have all knowledge, too bad, and all faith, the kind that moves mountains, you know, the kind that Jesus said we should have, but I have not love, Paul says, I am nothing. To the generous and committed, he says, if I give everything away, possessions and body, without love, it's of no benefit. I gain nothing. Everything he lifted up are good things, yes? Having spiritual tongue, having wisdom and knowledge of mystery, being generous with everything and holding nothing back, those are all good things. Amen? We desire to be to that place where maybe we can come close to achieving one of them, but he says it's nothing without love. And if we're honest, we know how short we fall from all those things. But we do have an idea of how good it'd feel if we got there and had all these things, yeah? But without love, it's nothing. It's just a waste. It's noise, Paul says. That'd have been a hard letter to read. Maybe it's still hard to hear. The greatest thing he says that we have is love. The life, remember, of acting out love for God each other, and enemy. The self-giving act for their benefit. Jesus affirmed this when he gave his greatest commandments, right? The greatest commandment, love God, love others. They're one and the same. L live life in action for the sake and benefit of another. Now, we're going to do something a little different today than we usually do. I know you love to hear me go on and on, but we're going to slow way down and we're going to reflect on this passage, the middle section, those four verses. And we're going to think about three things. I want each of you to think about three things just in your own mind and reflection. When I read one line, so it'll start with Agape's patient, I want you to think about ways in which you see the quality that I mention in Jesus. Stop and think. All the stories you might know, the examples you've heard, where have I seen that quality in Jesus? And then, do you see that quality in yourself? And if so, how? And if not, how might you? And the third is kind of goes along with that 
where we struggle, if you did embody that quality as Christ did, what would that look like in your life and in your relationship? So three things. Are we ready? And if you, I'm going to have a, I'm going to have a screen for every single line. So if you if you want to close your eyes and you can hear and remember and just reflect, do that. If you have trouble remembering what I just said, you can look up and it'll tell you exactly what you want to do. So we're just going to take about 10 minutes and we're going to reflect. Take a breath. I invite you to close your eyes and consider each line and then allow the Spirit to lead your mind and heart. Agape is patient. Agape is kind. Agape is not jealous. Agape does not brag. Agape is not arrogant. Agape is not rude.
Agape does not seek its own advantage. Agape is not irritable. Agape does not keep a record of complaints or wrongs. Agape is not happy with injustice. Agape is happy with the truth. Agape puts up with all things. Agape trusts in all things.
Agape hopes in all things. Agape endures all things. finishes this section by saying the great future that God has already accomplished in Christ has been breaking in since the resurrection of Christ. It's where we all will stand and live one day when all things are put to right. Amen? It's our great hope. It's already here in ways through the resurrection, through the presence of the Spirit. The future is available now, and we should see all situations and people now in light of that. All of the things of life are temporary. Even the best things are temporary that this world can offer us. Prophecy is temporary. It will be of no use one day. We'll see all there is to see. Knowledge and the wisdom of mysteries is temporary because one day we will all know and be known. The good news is the Holy Spirit of God, the one spirit from which we were all born, the one spirit from which we all still drink, this one spirit calls us to agape, the future life now, as modeled by Christ. In the midst of the brokenness of this world, of this church, of the community of our lives, this one spirit gifts us with three incredible qualities for the days between now and the great day. Faith hope, and love. They remain. As receivers of this truth, all else in the world that it might offer us, we know it's temporary. We know it. We forget, but we know it. Faith, hope, and love remain, Paul says. This should be our focus and how we live and how we love. But even still, faith is temporary. One day we'll all see it. We won't have to have faith. Hope is temporary because we'll be there. There's nothing to hope for when it's your reality. The one thing that is not temporary, the one thing that will be there and is available here is love. It's what makes it the greatest. It's what makes it our goal and all we say and do. Amen? Amen. We thank you for joining us today. And it is our hope that you have experienced the blessing of God through our time together. If you'd like to know more about our church community and its ministries, visit our website at sellersburgumc.com.